Hello and welcome, my friend, to the Minnesota Gardening Podcast. It is my honor to have you here with us today talking about one of my very, very favorite trees, the burr oak. Burr oaks are native to Minnesota and it is just a wonderful tree for pollinators and for beauty and for everything else in between. And they're dying. We have a bit of an issue here in Minnesota with something called burr oak blight, and I had noticed it pretty rampant this summer at the Minnesota Arboretum, and I didn't know exactly what it was, and so I had put a post on Instagram, and our extraordinary guest today was helping me figure out that that's what it was, and she's also a master gardener and a microbiologist and just a wealth of knowledge on what is burr oak blight, and it's affecting a lot of burr oaks through Minnesota and what you can and need to know about it and what you should do about it. So here is our episode on burr oak blight with Sean Buckwalter, and you can find all the information and links that we have in this episode at Minnesota gardening.com slash seven. That's the number seven for our seventh episode, Minnesota gardening.com slash seven. All right. Welcome again to the Minnesota gardening podcast. It is great to have another wonderful guest with us here today. She's someone that I've met on Instagram, which is just a wealth of awesome gardening knowledge and tips and excitement. We Today we have Sean Buckwalder with us here from Manorville, Minnesota, where she does a lot of really awesome things, as well as being a microbiologist as well. So Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Sean, will you introduce yourself a little bit and explain gardening, what you do, and uh, how, how that fits into the rest of your life? Absolutely. Yep. I have been gardening probably since I was a little girl with my my mom and dad. So it just kind of been ingrained for for a lifetime, I suppose. Currently, again, like you said, I live in southeast southeastern Minnesota. And I, I have vegetable garden. I have many perennial beds. I teach my sons. They garden right alongside me. My latest uh, endeavor has been trying to establish a cut flower garden business, I'm trying to get my feet wet in that. I also have almost 20 years experience with the Master Gardener program here through the University of Minnesota Extension Service for Dodge County. And through that, I love I love to teach. I love to reach out to folks and help folks. So that has been kind of an outlet for me and being able to share my my knowledge and and just kind of educate folks in all things gardening and even more so maybe natural resources also. And I've always had a huge fascination with trees. I love to identify trees. I, I get calls all the time to identify plants because I really did do a lot of botany in my undergrad work and my master uh, master's work in Idaho. So yeah, I, I have a kind of a very large background with plants and uh, natural resources and ecology. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And that was a, I had the bullet point down in my plan for what we can talk about today, but I totally forgot to mention that you're a master gardener. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful program and wonderful thing, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But first we started chatting around, I had visited the Arboretum a couple of weeks ago and there are just a bunch of oaks, including one of my favorite ones beside the main building at the Arboretum in, uh, the Minnesota State Ar- Minnesota Arboretum, U of M Arboretum, and it the oak is gone and it finally took the trunk away. But I, I noticed as I was walking around that a significant number of oaks are having major problems with decline and burr oak blight. So I wanted you to come on today to chat with us about burr oak blight and what what that is and what homeowners should be and gardening folks should be 
uh, aware of when it comes to bur oak blight. Yeah, absolutely. I would say over the last five years as a master gardener, we get calls all summer long. I shouldn't say all summer long. It starts about July because that's when Bob, as as you have say, I reference to it as Bob. Okay. It's Burrow hmm. Blight. <laughs> Bob for short. You'll see that a lot in a lot of the DNR and University of Minnesota extension newsletters and so forth. But Bob has been affecting a lot of the Burr Oaks, only Burr Oak in Minnesota and Iowa for the last, oh, almost 20 years now. It's unfortunate. It's a, it, it's kind of a leaf spot disease, essentially what it is. And homeowners should, should know that's different from oak wilt. Oak wilt can kind of kill a tree within one to two years, maybe within the same year, depending on, on the type of tree. But Bob itself or baroque blight is caused by a fungus, kind of a na- native fungus. It's just hanging out. It's called Tubachia ioensis. And essentially it has been intensified and why you're seeing it more, Brad, is it's been intensified with uh, the wet springs that we've been seeing since the 1990s. So again, as the the fungus Mm. has been termed, yeah. So a lot of the wet springs since 1990s and it's been been more so in Iowa and now it's making its way north. So the DNR here in Minnesota is a bit concerned. They're trying to contain it, you know, as much as they can and get the education on what it is. But it was first seen in Iowa and like I said, there's a good correlation between high May rainfall and then the incidence of the fungus appearing. So it, it, yeah, you see the decline. It won't kill a tree right away. So this is very interesting about this, this, this fungus is that you can actually have a really healthy tree next to a tree that's affected by oak uh, blight. So that's, that's really interesting. And they haven't been able to figure out exactly why it could be a genetic thing. It could be a resistance thing, but a lot of times you'll see that and it appears in late summer. So what you'll see is that it won't totally kill the tree, right? It'll appear in late, late July. You'll see the browning of the leaves usually starts on the the bottom and, and the inner canopy of the tree and then spreads out. But some trees can lose up to 40% of the their canopy, some lose more. But by that time of the year, the trees, you know, done what it's needed to do for as far as photosynthesis and energy and so forth. So it can get away with having this burrow blight and losing 50% of its its canopy for several years in a row before it actually dies. And it doesn't die from actually Bob, it actually dies from a lot of the secondary infections that can come. So think the two line chestnut borer, think there's another, forgive me for my pronunciations, called amylaria root rot that can actually kill the tree. Yeah, it's hmm. it's kind of sad. So it so the trees, they come up looking, at least in the beginning, they come up in spring and early summer looking generally like normal. And then once it, when is the time of year where you start to see, does it, does it, do they shed the leaves? Do they just turn brown and hang out for a while? Or what, what do most trees see happening? Yeah, great question. So unlike oak wilt, which will completely defoliate a tree, bur oak blight leaves actually stay on the tree. So that's a great question. So, so what happens is that it starts in probably late July. Yeah, I can see it around in my area. I can almost to like the week, <laughs> drive around and, and like know what time of the year it is, right? So what'll happen is that the fungal bodies will actually make kind of like, if you look on the underside of the leaves, there's kind of like dark veins and these fungal black fruit bodies kind of hang on the back of the leaves. And then a brown wedge shaped segment between the veins will start to show up. And the fungus actually gets into the petiole. So 
you know, I tried to come up with this just to make it simple. So the petioles is kind of like that stalk that actually connects the leaf to a branch. And so what happens is that fungus gets into that petiole and kind of makes it swell and it'll turn completely brown and get, you know, get swollen. And it actually makes the leaves stay on the tree longer because it just kind of all dies and kind of desiccates. So you'll actually see, so pay attention when you drive around or go back to these trees at the Arboretum and take a look at and see, not all of them will stay on, but a fair number of those that are infected by the bob will actually see a lot of brown dead leaves kind of just hanging off on the trees. And then that's how the cyclical nature of this disease happens is that that fungus stays on those petioles through the winter. And then when it rains, they get spread, right? The fruiting bodies then, as, a, as all funguses do, they, they spread with, with any sort of disturbance. In this case, it would be rain or wind. Is, so, that yeah. the main, is that the main way it spreads from tree to tree is through rain and wind or is it spread by insects or what's the, what should people try and uh, do to keep from spreading? Yeah. So the, unfortunately I had done some reading a couple of years ago. It's like, okay, well, could we clean up the leaf litter? You know, is there something that we could do? And, you know, bur oaks tend to be really huge, right? So it's very difficult and impossible to try to contain it. What's once it starts happening because there's just fungus is hard and it's going to, it's going to be on the petioles. And you could, you, even if you try to remove those from the trees, you know, you could see the dead brown petioles on the tree. You can't remove those and, and hope that it goes away. So it's, it's, there's other ways to kind of take care of that. And that's through like a fungicide application. Propa, propaconazole is, is, is essentially what they're using to treat bur oak blight. And and, you know, you obviously can't save all the trees, but if you have a, you know, if I, I always think I have four beautiful burrows in my yard that are probably almost 200 years old and I would do everything to wow. save those. Right. You know, but they haven't had any. So this is very interesting. So going back, I think we're still trying, they're still trying to figure out, you know, I, I made reference to having a, a very healthy tree next to a very, a, a tree that's affected by Bob right next to each other. And I think they're still trying to figure out if there's certain um, varieties that are, are more resistant. Um, there's the upland um, bur oaks, and then there's the lowland bur oaks. And it's the upland bur oaks that I would say we see a lot here in southeastern Minnesota and Iowa that are getting, they have smaller acorns that are getting affected. Oh. But but essentially they can, you know, you got to talk to an arborist. I'm not a, I'm not a certified arborist. But upon reading and doing the research, the propiconazole can be injected into the tree. It's near the root zones. They have particular methods of how you do that. So don't try it yourself, right? It's right after the leaves have come out in the spring is when you're supposed to do this um, injection. So you'd have you'd have a tree company come out and do that. And it's there's very specific parameters that would make your tree, I don't know, I guess would say, would be able to... In, accept that propozonical most okay. efficiently. There, it's like called, so you do not want to have any dye back on the tree. And there, you know, there's a lot of bur oaks that will put off. Have you ever seen some of the shoots that come out of the bur oaks, like lower down on the trunk? Yep. Um, those are called ep- epicormic sprouts, I guess is what they're called. And those, those t- tend to come out on some trees that are stressed. So if, if, if a tree is stressed or if it has dieback, you, you probably 
you know, you gotta be really careful about that. And then you have to have had two consecutive years with more than 40% leaf loss on those trees in order to get injected. So this propiconazole can burn trees if not injected correctly. So again, you want to have a, you know, certified arborist to, to, you know, evaluate your tree and, and to, to put, to administer that fungicide. And then you can, you can do repeat treatments, but what's going to happen again is that tree is going to have to go through that defoliation for two consecutive years before you can treat it again. So there's very specific things that a homeowner needs to be aware of um, when treating their trees and, and working with an arborist is, is of essence for that. So is that the kind of thing where once if your tree is infected with uh, burrow blight, if the, it gets treated once, you'll have to get treated every few years into perpetuity, yeah. you hope that once you get it done once that you're, you're cured and then you're fine from there. How, how does that work? Yeah. So I think it, it again, depend on a lot of factors, right? Your environment, the tree itself, the shape the tree is in. Cause again, this is a kind of a first, it's a leaf spot disease. And what essentially it's doing is weakening that tree. So even if you try to cure Bob, you always have to keep in the back of their mind that there could be other diseases that could eventually kill that tree. So like the two-line chestnut borer is one of those, for instance. So it can weaken the tree's state and then something else will come in and kill that tree. So you, you, you know, you can treat them again, but there's other things that, you know, you'd want to keep your eye on as far as like second, second line diseases and so forth. Got it. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And so that makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So with, with that as well, and the using a, a fungicide that is a systemic fungicide like that, are you concerned about killing off other like good funguses and things like that, that may be in the root system or how is what level of concern should a homeowner have about using a systemic fungicide like that? That's a great question. And, and one I probably could not answer fully, but I will say this, that they have been doing this for since the 1990s and been trying to, to work on the treatment. I think that's why it's very particular of the, the criteria of, of trying to figure out what state of the tree is in before applying any of the fungicides. So I think, you know, working again, working with the arborist and making sure that your tree is in that, that crucial treatment time is, is important. Got it. Perfect. So what, what else should people know about burrow blight that I haven't asked you about yet? Well, that's a great question. You know, it's one of those things that I've always wondered is, you know, how do these trees live and do they ever recover? And so, you know, just like you hear about, you know, I don't treat a lot of funguses in my garden because I know that a plant can lose up to a third of its biomass and still produce a vegetable or still produce a flower, right? You can cut things and, and so forth. Same thing with oaks. They they have shown that a, a tree could be severely affected one year, but some years afterwards, um, it's okay. And it's actually can come out of it. And a tree can lose up to 50% of its canopy and still live, which I just find so fascinating. That how is, these, yeah. these Some of these plants just adapt and work through these diseases and are actually able to survive. So I'm hoping to see that, you know, over the years, we see some resistance to this baroque blight, you know, and that as these trees start to adapt and, and maybe actually develop some sort of resistance.
Hello, my friend Brad here. Just wanted to let you know about our awesome service we have over at minnesotagardening.com. It's called Quick Huddle. So with Quick Huddle, you can have a one-on-one 10-minute session with me. It's live scheduled whenever you would like to have it. And uh, with this, we can look at if you have a question about whether a plant would work or what would make sense in the back corner of your yard. If you've got a problem with your grass, we can look at that together. You want to know if your tomatoes are growing right. We can talk about that as well. And so this 10 minute quick huddle helps answer whatever questions you've got. And I couldn't tell you more, my friend, about how super simple we've made it for you to schedule. So you just go to minnesotagardening.com in the main menu, click on quick huddle, and you get sent to our Calendly link. And there you will be able to find a time that works for you and works for me to get this 10-minute huddle scheduled and you pay for it right there. We schedule it, we get it done. And so it's really, really exciting and a super, super easy way to get your landscape questions personally answered by me. So go to minnesotagardening.com and Click on Click Huddle to schedule yours today. Beautiful. Yeah, that would be good because it's so sad walking around. I was I was shocked at the number that I saw, uh, like I said, through the Arboretum when I was there uh, a couple weeks ago. And so that I'm glad that there's hope and I'm glad that there are treatments for things. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to uh, treat all the, the trees in the woods, but it, if you've got right. trees like yours that you, like I've got a a giant, not a giant. I've got a bur oak that's growing in my backyard that I'm planted 15 years ago. So I'm super happy with that. And I would hate to see, see anything happen there. Absolutely. And you know, they, through the DNR, DNR has got a great, great, some great resources. University of Minnesota extension does too. I have to put those plugs in, but doing some reading, there's really, you know, you see all these dead trees around, but you have to think about how many are actually out there. So it's still a small proportion of the bur oak oaks in this in the state so i'm trying i'm trying to be positive about this this bob <laughs> this still is sad right 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 exactly <laughs> exactly and i'll put uh i'll put links to i was looking at the u of m and extension yep. work that they've got out there so i'll put links to that in the show notes for they this episode so everybody can yep. everybody can look at that as well and so yeah the u of m extension does great work especially with the master gardener program so would you like to talk a little bit about how the master gardener program works and if people want to get involved in it what they what they should do and what they could expect Absolutely. It's a program that, again, like I think I've been, I don't know, I'm old now. Wait, no, I'm looking at 15 years in 2020. So I've got about 17 years in. But anyway, it's just what essentially it is. It's a group of folks who have a passion for gardening and want to help educate the um, public or want to get involved in volunteer opportunities and teaching children or for age groups or publish, you know, newspaper articles and so forth. To get into the program, there's usually a sign-up window. And unfortunately, it's ending here soon. We usually have to, you know, we try to promote it during the summer months, but sign up for next year's program of 2022 ends in October 1st. So you sign up, you have to pay, I don't know what it is now, so don't quote me on that. I know it's over maybe a couple hundred Bucks for the course book, but you have to go through a okay. 12, 12 weekish, I think it's still at, um, program where they go through a lot of different units, just kind of talking about basics about, you know, plant parts, then talking about, you know, lawn management and, and insects and disease and, and just, you know, just giving you a wealth of knowledge and the tools mainly through the course book and then and teaching us how to use the tools that are available online 
to be able to reach out to the public and teach them. Because, you know, you're not, you know, like a lot of folks are like, well, I don't know enough about gardening or gosh, that seems daunting. You know, how am I supposed to teach teach the public. And I think the first year I tried, I was getting questions. I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. And they're like, that's okay. Right. <laughs> right. Because, like, exactly. You're not going to know the answers to everything, but being able to have at our fingertips, the tools and the resources to actually, you know, look up, find the answer or empower the person who's asking to give them the tools and the resources to be able to educate themselves on that question or future questions. So, you know, a lot of times um, if we get phone calls or so forth, I, I do my research. I talk with the, the the person who is the question, and then I give them a web page or another resource to, to follow up on for them to get, you know, gain more education on that. So, you know, that, that first year is the hardest. And I know it don't, don't be done. You know, it's kind of daunting. You have to have 50 hours of volunteer time, which if you work with your, you know, it's per county, right? So you're going to, I'm in Dodge County. So I worked with my coordinator in the county and we, you know, came up with a plan of how to get my 50 hours in that first year. And, and it's kind of fun because it gives, there's so many opportunities that folks can do to get their hours. Some people are people person, people people persons, right? They like to go out and talk to folks. They want to be at booths. They want to go out and teach kids. They want to interact, have that hands-on. Where there's some folks that maybe don't want to do that. Well, there's other opportunities to get your hours. You can write newspaper articles. You can, you know, put together presentations for others to do. You know, you've got meetings to go to. So getting the hours, even for me right now, I swear I'm probably at 70 right now because, you know, we, we just, it depends on the year, of course. But so that's just for the first year. So then after that first year of being a master gardener, then it's only 25 hours of volunteer work each year, plus five years of an education. So just going through webinars and things like that, just to kind of keep your education current, just like for any other job, right? But it's been fantastic. I love in Dodge County. We went, when I started, there was only a handful of us. And now I think we have over 10, 10 to 12 of us that are pretty active in our program. And we're a pretty small county, whereas like Olmstead is large and Hennepin's one of the bigger ones in the, in the state and so forth. So um, we do booths, we do our, four, you know, the uh, county booth during the fair, we'll do, you know, just other booths at, at community um, events and so forth. It, it's great. It's a great opportunity and I love doing it. And actually currently our biggest project right now is the gold star monument that they're actually putting in Manorville near the Dodge County courthouse, which is a, a monument honoring fallen veterans and their families. And so the master gardeners, wow. because it, yeah, it's a pretty cool project and there's many folks involved, but the master gardeners were actually asked to be involved. We were given a stipend for plants and we're, we have uh, been coordinating with local uh, nursery and getting plans. And we're actually going to plant that the bed that is going to be surrounding the monument next week. So it's just, we have some great opportunities and, and working with the public and different groups. It's, it's been, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Beautiful. And if people have questions about things, they can also call, um, the hotline and ask questions online if people just need help with something like Baroque blight and identifying what's going on. And master gardeners are a great resource that way as well. Absolutely. And, you know, if you live in a certain county, make sure you call that county and there, there will be a list of master gardeners. Now, every county is a little bit different, right? I know there's some live 
helplines. But Dodge County, it kind of gets routed a different way, but eventually gets to us through an email or a phone call. But absolutely, it's a great resource for the community. Perfect. Well, Sean, you have been just an awesome wealth of knowledge here. And so we've got Sean Buckwalter talking about Baroque Blight and Master Gardening Program here in Minnesota. And we've got a couple of just like quick fire questions that we end our podcast with here. And so they're really easy. My kids help me come up with them and I like them a lot. So for sure. Okay. First one is what's your favorite place to visit in Minnesota? Oh, that's, that's crazy. In Minnesota. I loved Itasca. <laughs> that's beautiful. I was, Itasca's so beautiful. we're, we're recording this in, uh, before it gets released about a month before. And just last weekend I was in Itasca and it was gorgeous. It was all the, all the trees were perfect orange yellow oh. reds and it was the yeah the wilderness drive was amazing so it was a beautiful beautiful trip camping that weekend so that was great next one is what is your favorite food grown in minnesota just particularly grown in minnesota I, i'm gonna have to say corn i don't know i'm, I'm married to a farmer no i'm just kidding not, but, not a, yeah sweet corn farmer. perfect but, uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have to be about the same there. So then what is your favorite plant to grow, whether that be landscape plants, vegetables, anything like that? Zinnias. Zinnias. They're just beautiful and easy. And I know they're not a native. I should say a native. I, I've got a list of natives I love to grow too, but I have to say this year it would have to be zinnias. Yeah, they're so happy and they did so well this year. So perfect. And then last question is, if you were a plant, what plant would you be? I would be a burr oak. Long living, exactly. beautiful, strong. Yep. Deep roots, all good stuff. Perfect. Well, Sean, thank you so much again for being here. If people want to get in contact with you, where should they go? Oh, I can be. Oh, I've, I wasn't expecting that. I, I'm on Instagram through Buck and Bloom Acres. Um, and I guess if they are, have a master gardener program, they could reach me through the Dodge County master gardener uh, program too, if they have one in particular questions. Perfect. Well, I will put links to those in the show notes for this episode. And I just, Sean, I really appreciate your time and your wealth of knowledge about the master gardener program and Burr Oak Flight. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. See what I mean? Sean was just such an amazing joy to chat with. It was wonderful talking with her and getting to know her and what she has to offer and wisdom and knowledge on Burr Oak Blight and the Master Gardener program and all of that. So it was really great. If there's anything in this episode that we talked about that you would like to learn more as well as read the script transcript on this episode or any episode that we've got, go to minnesotagardening.com slash seven and that will get you the show notes and the links and all the information there. So again, minnesotagardening.com slash seven. And if you listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to it, could you leave us a rating and a review? We've gotten a lot of great feedback from folks, especially on Apple Podcasts. And uh, here is a review from MPOP31. And I believe this is Meredith, who's also a Minnesota Gardening Club member. But she says... It Helpful for a Minnesota gardener. Enjoying the podcast and happy to get some area-specific information. Very informative and knowledgeable with great guests. So thank you so much, Meredith, for that wonderful review. And if you go to wherever you listen to the podcast, please leave us a review and a rating over there. 
because it really helps other folks find the podcast and continue to share the great information that we've got here. And speaking of great information, next Wednesday, if you're listening to this when we release the podcast, Wednesday, November 10th at 10 a.m., we are going to have a one-hour a one hour workshop on jumping worms. It's going to be the last jumping worms workshop that we hold this year. So it's a free one hour workshop on jumping worms and you can find that at minnesotagardening.com. So hope to see you there. Next week, we have another great episode with you with a Minnesota legend. She has the longest running radio show in the state on bird watching. And Laura Erickson is just a really, really fun interview and a lot of great discussions on there. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast and you will get that just delivered straight to your phone. So thank you so much. And we will talk again next week. Have a wonderful day.